And he said to them, for those of you that are looking for a, a, a miracle, this is, this is what he says, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I want to welcome you this morning once again. Thank you for being here today. We have a, a lot of information that we've been passing out, and we've been trying to get across to everyone what it is that we're going to do, but most importantly, what we want to get across is what God is going to do. Amen? Here's the, here's the email or the letter that I sent out, and maybe, maybe some of you have gotten it, and uh, for recording purposes as well. And it says this, Hello, North Park family and friends. Just to let you know, we will continue to meet every Sunday until Jesus returns. Amen? From the very beginning, we have been proactive as far as safety and sanitation is concerned. Hand sanitizers are in place in key locations around the church building long before this outbreak. Our custodian makes sure everything is wiped down and in order. We have placed soap and paper towels in every bathroom, and we also have soap and paper towels in the kitchen. This is some of the things that we've been doing already. Due to the rise of concern over the COVID-19 virus, we are taking extra precautionary measures to protect our families and visitors to North Park Baptist Church, making sure doors and ha door handles are wiped clean after each use, making sure pews, tables, counters, coffee stations are sanitized and cleaned. Our office furniture, kids' ministry area, classrooms are wiped down and cleaned. Office furniture, worship instruments, microphones, sound equipment, computers are cleaned. Doors are propped open so each person can enter without using handles. Bulletins will be placed on the benches where most people sit. Greeting of one another will be limited to a simple acknowledgement. Fellowship meals will be postponed until further notice. Psalms 91 verses 1 through 6 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. And then one more verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. And so, yes, be concerned. Yes, be prepared. Yes, take some precautionary measures. But do not fear. Do not fear. This is the one thing that we need to get away from. And it's interesting that Regardless of where you go, uh, all the stores are packed right now with people and lined up. And the one thing that they, they suggest for you not to do is what people are doing. Yet, on the other hand, they suggest don't go to church. And that's the one thing people should be doing. We should be gathering. Careful. Be, if you're sick, stay home. Uh, you know, but we need, to, we need to be careful about what it is and, and not fear. That's the one thing that I want to get across. Don't fear. Don't panic. Be careful. And just wash your hands. <laughs> Wash your hands. Amen? I'm going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a little bit uh, because it's part of the message as well. But I want to welcome you and thank you for being here. And uh, we, we are going to be uh, 
taken up an offering in a very different manner uh, today. I'm going to ask you to prepare your envelopes. And, uh, and, and uh, what we're going to do is, Ken, if you can come up, so that the offering plate is not passed around. Well, you know, you, as a matter of fact, you can bring it up today. You can kind of just, you know, just hand it to people. And you won't have to handle it. But what we are going to do, once we start getting back in the full uh, swing of things, we're going to probably put the plates up here and then have you come forward and, and deposit your uh, communication card, your offering, your gift. Uh, this way, again, trying to prevent as much as possible of spreading any kind of germ or anything else, a virus. Before we get started with the, the message, uh, which is part of what we're talking about, I'd like for you to, first of all, find in your Bibles 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles is not, uh, we are in 1 Corinthians, no relation. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, uh, verse 11. Put your bulletin there, your Bible marker, um, whatever you have. I'm gonna, we're going to head back to that here in just a bit. 2 Chronicles is a very simple book to find. It's right next to 1 Chronicles. Um, it's closer to the front of the Bible. Uh, after, the, um, after all the, the judges, Deuteronomy was the last book in the Pentateuch, first five books, and then we have the Kings and then the Chronicles. So, um, and the Chronicles are basically exactly what it says, like the Chronicles of Riddick. But uh, the Chronicles are just the explanation of what, what happened in the Old Testament as far as the Kings were being concerned. And it's very important that we touch on that today. And uh, this is a little bit added to the message that I already had it in line. But today we're starting with 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is probably one of the most important chapters in the Bible concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I mentioned this before, when we first started 1 Corinthians, we have been systematically going through it week by week and uh, in, in Sunday by Sunday. And we've done a, a few changes and it's not something that I personally uh, crafted for it to happen this way, but it just so happens that this section of Scripture, which will be in for, for at least another four to six weeks, uh, this portion of Scripture is right smack dab in the middle of our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it, and it falls right into place as to why it is that the resurrection is important. Because the resurrection is the message. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the message. The resurrection of believers is the message. The resurrection of non-believers is the message. Christianity is a religion of the resurrection. And that's what Christianity separates from other religions is the fact that there will be a resurrection. And it's important to understand that it's not just the resurrection of those who are saved, but also those that won't be saved. The Bible talks to us about how the resurrection is a very important key part of who we are as believers. So before I read chapters 15, verses 1 through 11, I'd like to start off with the word of prayer and then ask you to follow along with me right after. But let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, thank you once again for this opportunity that you give us to come together. I thank you, Lord, for those that have committed to you, first and foremost, and have made it here today. I know many people are are still worry and uh, many people are are fearful of, of this disease and rightly so apparently it's taken lives and uh, we we don't want to be in that situation but father we we also have taken precautions ourselves and and we need to be wise about how we uh, how we communicate and how we gather with one another and so lord we thank you for the uh, just 
taken away the fear that, uh, that we have, for giving us the assurance that you alone, Lord, are the one that's totally in charge. And we submit to your authority. We submit to your leadership. We submit to who you are, Father, because you are in charge of all things. And so we ask you, Father, to, to continue to lift up. We lift up those that are not feeling well today, those that aren't able to make it. We lift up those, Father, that are, are struggling financially or even economically, Lord, the things around their homes that they need done. We lift up those that are not feeling well uh, personally. And, Lord, just be with each person right now. And for those that are here, I thank you, and I pray that you just continue to encourage us through your word and through our fellowship, we pray. So, Father, lead us in all things as we go through this word. We pray in Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen. Chapter 15, the resurrection of Christ. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in according with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles, last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. The message is the resurrection, folks. If it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then everything we do is pointless. And that's what Paul was trying to get across to the people in Corinth. He's trying to tell them that it's pointless. People were talking and saying, well, I don't think we're going to be resurrected. And I don't think that the resurrection is going to happen. And so there was a conflict within the church about the resurrection. And Paul says, well, look, if you guys aren't getting resurrected and you don't believe in the resurrection, then therefore Jesus Christ wasn't resurrection. But that's the central point of the message is that Jesus Christ, and we'll talk about this here just a little bit, that Jesus Christ died, buried, and was resurrected. That's the whole message. We call that the charismatic core for the word charisma, which means to proclaim or to preach what Jesus Christ did. When you don't know what else to say to people, just tell people Jesus Christ died on a cross. He was buried and he resurrected. That's why I believe. And people will throw all kinds of smoke screens at you, and what you need to do is stand firm in what you believe, and that's it. Because that is what the resurrection is all about and the message. In this portion of scripture, there's four things that i like for us to see. Four things. And in your outlines, if you go with me, number one, we want to talk about the resurrection. Okay, we want to talk about the resurrection. As I said already, that my understanding of the resurrection, I have to know that my understanding of the resurrection. Now, brothers, the very first verse, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you of which you received and of which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. So Paul is saying this is the whole point of it. This is what you have to understand. This is what you need to know, that everything about the resurrection is what Christianity is all about. 
In John chapter 5, in your outlines, in John chapter 5, verses 28 to 29, Jesus said this, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. What does that mean? That means that everyone is going to resurrect, not just the those that have died in Christ, but everyone's going to resurrect. There is this understanding of the end times. At the very beginning, those who are dead in Christ shall rise first during the rapture. Paul says, at the sound of the last, uh, of the last trumpet, the, those that are dead in Christ shall rise first. And they will be with Christ for seven years. And then those of us who are left behind, we will be caught up with him in midair. And after the tribulation is over, seven years, Jesus Christ will return. And he will bring all of us with him. We will live on this planet for a thousand years with Jesus Christ. After that thousand years is over, then there is this season that Satan is let loose. And as he is let loose throughout the world and throughout the known places at that time, he's going to entice a bunch of people. At the end of that season, we don't know how long that season is, he's going to take Satan and, and uh, his followers at that time and cast them into what is called Hades, into, into the lake of fire. Then those that died without Christ, they will be considered to be resurrected during the second resurrection. Folks, Christianity is about the resurrection. And where you resurrect from or where you're at determines, uh, is determined by what you believe today. And, and there are a lot of people that are trying to say that Jesus Christ didn't resurrect, that he wasn't really dead. But folks, he was really dead. And there's a lot of people say, well, there's no evidence of the resurrection. And to be honest with you, nobody actually saw Jesus Christ resurrect, but the evidence is still there. The tomb was empty. That's why the, the rumors were being uh, posted around that somebody came in and stole the body of Jesus Christ, that they took him and they put him aside, or that he really wasn't dead and somebody opened the tomb because he was knocking on the inside and they rolled the stone away. Or, you know, there's all kinds of theories that can try to, you know, get, go over all these, uh, the, the story of the resurrection. But to be honest with you, look, first, first and foremost, he wasn't really dead. Well, well, I don't know if you remember the story at all, but, but they really beat him to death. They beat him as, as close to death as they could. And at the end, they, they thrust the spear in his side and his heart was punctured because that's the part where they thrust the spear. These soldiers were precisionists. They knew exactly where to go with the spear and, and blood came out with water. He was dead. They brought him down from the cross. Nicodemus and Joseph came and they recommend, they, they asked for the, the body and they brought a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds of ointments of myrrh and frankincense to anoint the body and they wrapped him very tightly. They wrapped him as they were putting on this hundred pounds of ointments on him. They put him in the tomb. He was dead. And some people say, well, he was just passed out. He was dead. They call that the swoon theory. And then so because he was passed out, they put him in the tomb and he woke up and somebody would open the, open the stone, open the cave for him. But you had to remember there were guards at the entrance and these Roman guards were, were going to be killed if anybody got in and was able to steal his body. These guards were very, very meticulous as far as their guard, how to guard anything. If somebody was going to sleep, one would sleep, the other one would stay awake. But they were there guarding the tomb. As a matter of fact, 
in, in the scriptures, it tells us that the Pharisees came to the guards and says, look, we're going to pay you to say that somebody stole his body. Don't worry about your boss. We will take care of him also. And so that story was pushed for, for a long time. Folks, Jesus Christ died. In the Bible, it says that many people that, that they're going to die, that all, all peoples are going to be raised to death. Look at Daniel chapter 12 in your Bible, excuse me, in your outlines. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. It was prophesied and it was known. Jesus made it known to his disciples that Christianity is a religion of the resurrection. Number two, my understanding of proclamation. In other words, what I say, my understanding of how I proclaim it, what I talk about. In verses 3 and 5, <clears throat> it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, and according with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day, in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. This is the story of the resurrection. And what Paul is saying here, much later after the resurrection, way before the Gospels are put in, Paul is saying, look, this is what I received. This is what I got firsthand from Jesus Christ, that he resurrected. He showed himself to me, Paul is saying. Now, I don't know if you've been following along with our study of 1 Corinthians, but Paul himself was taken into the wilderness for three years. And in the wilderness, it is believed that Jesus Christ discipled him for three years, face to face, hand in hand. He comes out of the wilderness, ends up in Jerusalem. He says, I didn't get any of this stuff that I'm teaching you from the apostles. Peter didn't tell me, nobody told me. I got this directly from the Lord. So for three years in Galatia, uh, we'll, we'll read this in just a little bit. For three years, he was in the desert with Jesus Christ. And he, first and foremost, received the instructions from Christ. Now, as I've said before, Corinthians is this letter is one of the first to be written, written more than likely prior to any of the Gospels. So there is no information out there about how things took place, and Paul is taking it firsthand, what he heard from Christ. That's why he said, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. This is the most important doctrine and teaching of the church is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we go on through chapter 15, I'm going to expound on it even more so, the importance of it as to why it's important. But folks, the most important thing is that you believe that if you were to die right now in Christ, you will be resurrected. But if you were to die right now without Christ, guess what? You will be resurrected as well. And so the, the important part of this is to understand that Jesus Christ resurrected. And if I die in him, I will be resurrected with him. That's the key, that's the truth, that's the core. That's the message that we should be proclaiming to everyone around us, especially now. People are afraid of dying, and I, you know, I'm afraid of dying as well. I, I don't want to die. It's like that guy that was going around preaching to people, uh, you know, the homeless people, and say, hey, you want to you wanna go to heaven when you die? He goes, heck, no, I don't want to go to heaven when I die. He says, what, you taking a bunch of people right now? He goes, no, 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 much later. Oh, okay, well, much later, yeah, but not right now. Nobody wants to die right now. Everybody wants to continue moving and living. And bottom line is, is that there is a universal fear of death. People say, oh, I'm not afraid of dying. But you know what? There is a universal fear of death. And the universal fear really is because most people don't know what's on the other side. Now, I, I'm not necessarily afraid of that transition as much as I am afraid of the pain 
that comes with it or the suffering of all the things that may happen. You know, as most people, I think, uh, they, they would rather it happen at night when they're asleep, right? I, I want to go in my sleep. I don't want to feel nothing. I don't want to know nothing. I just want to go to sleep and wake up in Jesus' arms. You know, well, I mean, that's why we say that, because there is a universal fear of the transition that takes place. And, and you think about that. What, just all of a sudden, I'm not going to be able to breathe anymore. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm just for the few seconds, I'm going to be aware of the things that are going on around me and, and recognize and realize that this will be my last second on this planet. And it's that unknownness. Folks, this is why it's so important to get a grasp on the re- resurrection. See, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he says to you, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me, not by men's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ revealed it to him, what the gospel was. And, and if you would go with me back to Isaiah, and, and I didn't have you point there just as of yet, but Isaiah chapter 53. Because what, what Paul is saying here, he says, he says here, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in according with the Scriptures. In Isaiah chapter 53, it's known as the suffering servant. In Isaiah chapter 53 is just one of many of places that we can go to to look at what the Scriptures say about Jesus Christ to be resurrected and to be put to death and resurrected. And if you, if you just go back a few verses in 52 to verse 13, it says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marveled, was so marred beyond human semblance. This is talking about his beating, the scourging. As many were astonished at you, he's talking to Jesus Christ, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. And this was written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was even born. And his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. And then he goes on to say, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom... Men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This describes the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, to perfection. As a matter of fact, the rest of it, if you read the rest of it, it says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Exactly what Jesus Christ did. 
didn't say anything, didn't cast out curses, didn't say this wasn't fair. Let me take you to one more place in, 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 uh, in Psalms. In Psalms, Psalms is right before Isaiah. Go to Psalms chapter 22. And Psalms 22 is it's an amazing psalm. And I think many people miss it because it starts off in Psalm 22. It starts off with the words that Jesus Christ proclaimed and shouted out at the cross. As a matter of fact, it's one of his last seven sayings. Eloi, Eloi, lama sakbakthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And many people don't understand why he prayed that or he said that. Many people say, well, he was asking God, why did he leave him? Why is he talking? Maybe, but some people say, look, he's calling Elijah. Eloi, he's calling Elijah. And, and, and a lot of people don't put the connection together. But back then, they didn't have chapters and verses, just like I had you to go to Psalm 22. They didn't have directionals. All they had was the very first words of the verse that they wanted you to go to. And so what Jesus Christ did is this is what he did. He says, I want you to turn to Psalm 22 on the cross. As he's bleeding, as he's suffering, he says, I want you to turn to Psalm 22. But instead of saying that, he said, Eloi, Eloi, Bakthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you turn to Psalm 22, verse 1, what does it say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you can read through this whole psalm, but I want you to go to verse 6, first and foremost. And it says, but I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make, they make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And I don't know if you remember, but that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They walked by him. He trusts in the Lord. <laughs> Let the Lord rescue him. You really think you're going to get yourself down? Get yourself down from there. And they were mocking him, and they were scorning him, and they were wagging their, their fingers at him. Go over to verse 14. And again, this is hundreds of years before Christ was even born. He says in verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shared, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Look at verse 16. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. You can read the rest of the chapter and you can see this is a picture written hundreds of years before Christ was even born, a picture of the crucifixion. Don't know if you've ever seen a crucifix or, or Jesus hanging on the cross as his muscles and his arms are laid out, and you can basically see all his bones. Don't know if you understand or know that, that they took off his robe, and they, they didn't want to rip it because it was a beautiful robe that was placed on him. And they said, no, let's not tear it up. Let's cast lots for them. In other words, let's gamble to see who wins it. Everything that the psalmist wrote about is what Jesus Christ was, was experiencing. It pointed to the cross, folks. See, this is not just something out of the blues that happened. It had to happen this way. And, and there, there are many other verses that focus and point to the crucifixion, the resurrection. There are many other verses that point to Jesus Christ having to experience what he did. And why? Well, it says so right there. He did this to, for my sins. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. 
Christ didn't die to make you happy. Christ didn't die to keep you protected. Christ didn't die to heal you. Christ didn't die to make you wealthy. Christ didn't die to bring all things together. He didn't die so that you would have this place to come to and and just enjoy the music or not, or to come and enjoy the. He didn't die for those things so that we can just gather and have fellowship meals. He didn't die so that we can just sit here and learn and, and soak it up. He died for your sins. And you may not think that you have sins, but the Bible tells you that you're, you call God a liar because we all sin, all of us. There's no one perfect. And that's why Jesus Christ, that's why we need a Savior. He died to save us from our sin. Because you see, in order to get to heaven, you need to be perfect. And we all miss it. So Jesus Christ applied his righteousness to us. And we are made right because of what he did for us. Look at the, look at the back of your outline. So what is the primary message of the gospel? Well, there it is. Jesus Christ died for my sins. Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb. And Jesus Christ raised from the dead. According to the scriptures. My understanding of the verification. In other words, how do I know that this is true? Who verified it? Well, Paul says in verses 5 through 8, And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to the more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is important to know, that Jesus Christ doesn't appear anymore to anybody, not on this planet. He appeared to Paul, and Paul says, I'm the last one. I'm the last one he appeared to. That's it. And the next time we see Jesus Christ, he will be coming down on a cloud. The next time we see Jesus Christ, he will be sending in the Shekinah glory of God in that cloud that stood out for the Israelites while they were in the wilderness. The next time we see Jesus is when he comes to conquer this planet. That's when we'll see him again. But prior to that, we can be assured that there were people that saw him. Not just one or two, there were 500 People that saw him. There were all sorts of people that appeared to that, that he appeared to. Uh, the disciples, especially, minus two. Judas was gone and Thomas wasn't there. If you go with me, and it's in your outline there, Luke 24. Go to Luke 24. And this is an appearing of, of Jesus. This is an appearing of Jesus Christ. And he appears to his disciples in verse 36, excuse me, 13. And in your Bible, it might say on the road to Emmaus. And the day that Jesus Christ resurrected, the first day of the week, at the end of the day, as everything is closing up and everybody's going home, it says this, that that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with him. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they they stood still looking at him, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here these, these days? And they said to him, uh, excuse me, and he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning, early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. There's the charismatic message. There's the central message. There is the first thing, the first important thing, that Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he was resurrected. And it's interesting because as they're walking down the road, their hearts are broken. They're sad. They're wondering, what happened? This was supposed to be the guy. He was the one that was supposed to make it happen. And now he's dead. And they say he's alive. But that doesn't make sense. And, and they're at a point... Now, folks, I don't know if you've ever lost someone very close to you. And, and the one thing that most people want to know is that they, they just want to be assured that they made it to the other side. I, if I could only have one more opportunity before that, just, just to be able to hold on to them and really, really, really tell them how much I love them. I mean, that would just bless my heart. And most people just want that extra minute, want that extra just a little bit of time. And there's movies that are made of people that don't leave this planet just to give that person their one last wish, to be able to encounter them, knowing that it was only going to be for a moment because after that they're going to take off. And, and you can see it in the movie, the guy's blessed, the woman's blessed, and they're really happy that they got to see them one last time. But folks, it doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work out that way. But, uh, but I bring that to your attention because these men, brokenhearted, sad, their dreams were shattered. Everything was going in such a right direction. Jesus shows up, yet he hides himself. He hides himself from their presence. Now think about this. If Jesus Christ really wanted to, he could have showed himself at that point in time. Really just lifted them up and really just encouraged them and said, look, it's true. Go out and tell everybody. I mean, he was going to do that. But there was a process that he takes you through. Some of you are looking for an encounter, an epiphany, a, a, a revelation, a, a theophany. You know, if, if this podium just turns into fire and starts to speak to me, then I'll believe. If I go outside and I hear a booming voice out of heaven, then I'll believe. If Jesus Christ would only show himself right here, then I'll believe that he died, buried, and resurrected. Then I'll believe. But you know what, folks? That's not Jesus' intent. Jesus doesn't want to show himself to you. Many people come to church, I want to see Jesus, you know, show yourself. I want to see Jesus lifted high. I want to feel his presence. I want to know him. And, and, and rightly so, many of us are, are hurting. Many people are wanting to see some miracle, something take place within our country, in our community, in our churches, especially today. There's a lot that is going on around us that you can just, you need a touch from Jesus. You need something tangible. You need to be able to feel and sense that he really cares. This is what happens to these guys. If you go back to Luke 24 and verse 25, it says this, 
And he said to them, and here's what he says to you. For those of you that are looking for something, a feeling, an emotion, a, a euphoric high, a, a, a presence, a touch, a, a miracle, this is, this is what he says, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And this is what he did. Right there on the road down to, uh, down to Emmaus, before they even got home, as the sun's going down, they had a Bible study. They had a Bible study. He says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He opened up the book. Well, they didn't have a book, but they knew the scriptures. And he says, look, this is what Moses said. This is what Joshua said. This is what the book of Judges says. You know, these are all, this is what David said. This is what Jeremiah said, Isaiah. He just went over every single verse, and he had a Bible study with them, folks. He showed them the Bible. He showed them the Word of God. And he says, this is what you need to focus on. Not that I'm here. You'll get that. You'll get that once you get into his Word. You know, we have this scare with this virus that is going on, and and we want God to intervene and just to cure everything. But go back to... Second Chronicles. Go to Second Chronicles now. Because in verse 11 it says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Solomon had built the temple. He built a nice church. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When, he says, this is a promise. When, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, when I command the locusts to devour the land, or when I send pestilence. You know what a pestilence is? A pestilence is a deadly disease that's incurable. That's what a pestilence is. When I send this deadly disease that's incurable, he says, among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made where? In this place. You know, we have people right now that aren't going to church and there's um, you know, most churches have, or some churches have, the ability to broadcast their services. Unfortunately, we don't. We have a podcast that you can go home and listen to. Some people will probably listen to it tonight after, after they come home or from wherever they're at or later on this afternoon. But the place to be, folks, is here. God says, it's going to happen. We're going to send a pestilence. You're going to have a, this kind of stuff happen. And a lot of it is because of what's going on within the churches. All it took was just a, a call from the president and a call from the governor. We suggest that you guys don't go to church. What do most Christians do? Okay. I won't go to church. But wait a minute. Let me go to Costco. Let me go to Sam's Club. Let me go to State of Brothers. Let me go all these other places where there's hundreds of people, everybody chaotic and worried sick. Let me go there first and take care of myself. You know how self-centered and you know, for those that are hoarding. Now, please, don't get me wrong. If you haven't been able to prepare for this, please prepare. At the first opportunity you can, go out and get the necessities that you need. You need to have things for yourself. But there are people out there that are just hoarding and grabbing and taking and piling up baskets upon baskets of 
toilet paper. I don't know. I don't get it. You know, maybe maybe some maybe some politician or somebody got upset that their house was TP'd, and he probably said something. I know how to get rid of this. Scare everybody that toilet paper is going out of style. And they'll keep it to themselves. And and folks, it's just it's not natural if you trust in God. Now get to the story because I don't. What scares me more are the people that are scared. That's going to cause a, a ripple effect that's going to be something that we might not be able to recover from. So yes, prepare. Go get your beans and bullets or whatever it is that you want to get. You, you know, get your toilet paper. Get the things that you need, you know. But folks, don't trust in the government. Don't trust in the market. Put your faith in the Lord. And, and, and come to church. Worship together. Pray together. Love together. Encourage one another. Make phone calls and do what you can to encourage because that time is coming near. Here's, here's the interesting thing about what Jesus did. Going back to Luke 24. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave thanks. And he gave it to them, and their eyes were immediately open. Folks, Jesus will show up if you get into your word. Jesus will show up if you trust his word. Jesus will show up when you understand what the death, burial, and resurrection is all about. Jesus will show up. He will. Now, did he cure all these people? As a matter of fact, no. Did he produce a, a, a life of wealth and happiness and, and everlasting whatever you want to call it, happiness for these guys. Lost, a lot of them lost their families. A lot of them lost their lives. A lot of them were persecuted. A lot of them, but you know what? They were steadfast in their commitment to Jesus Christ. It didn't save them from the world. It saved them out of this world. They gave their life to proclaim the message that Jesus Christ was buried, was resurrected, was buried, died, buried, and resurrected. Because that was the most important message that they can get out to anybody. Let me just add this, which is not part of what I wanted to say, but let me just add this. And, uh, and as it goes on, he says here, uh, did, did not, after he broke the bread, give thanks, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures, as he opened up the word, we had this Bible study. Man, it was just affecting my heart. It was just making my heart swell and, and well over with joy because of the Bible, the word of God in my heart. That, folks, is the experience that you want. You're, you're asking, well, not you, but people are asking for a touch, a, a, an epiphany, something to see Jesus Christ. Folks, it's right there. You have it in your hands. It's right here. This is why I keep pointing us back to the Bible. And they rose, look at this, and they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, those who were with them, gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened to, to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They, they went seven miles. They ran right back, not walked. They ran and they started, man, Jesus, Jesus, he's alive. He showed up. And they're just going, over. man, we were talking, Bible study. Boy, you know, they were just going all over. The, they're bouncing off the walls. And as they are giving testimony, as they are giving testimony of what Jesus Christ did and how he showed up, 
This is what happens. This is important, guys. Look at this. Verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, man, you guys run fast. You guys got here before I did. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't say that at all. But he waited, folks. He waited. He waited until the testimony was given before he showed up. Was Jesus there all the time? You think so? I believe Jesus was there all along. He was right there with them. He was with them at the Emmaus, and I'm sure he was there before the guys even got there. I mean, Jesus can do that. But he didn't show himself until the proclamation was made, until the verification was verified, until we understand that the resurrection is the most important part. And it wasn't until then that Jesus Christ shows up. You want Jesus Christ to show up during this pandemic that we're experiencing? Get into his word. It sounds simplistic, folks. It sounds very simple. It sounds like, well, yeah, there's got to be more to it than that. Okay, well, you know, you got to run. You got to get there. You got to prepare. You got to go home. You got to eat. You gotta, there's things that you have to do. But don't miss the Bible study. Don't miss the, the word. Don't miss the showing or sharing. Don't miss that part. You know, this disease, this pandemic, it, it, it scared Christians straight out of his word. Straight out of God's word. Folks, and this is just, a, 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 you know, again, I don't want to belittle this, folks. It's important to understand that I am not trying to say that this is not important, that I, I don't want you just to walk around blind and, you know, please, don't get that from me. What I'm saying that this too shall pass. We've had pandemics, bluebonic plague. We've had uh, pestilence. We've had these things happen over the centuries, just in the re recent history. We've had the swine flu, H1N1. We've had uh, the bird flu, various things that are going on. We have cancer. We have all kinds of things that are already happening. And, and, and folks, I'm just encouraging you to get into God's word. Find the peace and the solace that God has and share what Jesus Christ has done for you. Here's why. And you can do it. You got to understand your qualifications. You got to understand what you can do. And you know, you yourself can't do much. But you and God, that's a winning team. Amen? Pastor, you don't know my past. You don't know the things I've done in my life, where I come from. You don't know the people I've been hanging out with. You don't know the things that I've seen or even said. Yeah, you know, I. I I, my kids, you know, my, my family, my places. You don't understand. I don't have, I'm not qualified. I, I cannot do this. Verses 9 and 10 says, For I am, Paul says this, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul was a murderer. Paul hated Christians. Paul threw them in jail, had them beat, their property taken. Paul was en route to Damascus when he was he had letters in his hands for people that were there that he was going to imprison and possibly persecute and kill some of them. And he was on his way, and Jesus Christ knocked him off his high horse. And Paul is telling us right now to the people in Corinth, guys, you don't think you can do this? I'm telling you something. I'm the least qualified. But you see... God is not looking for qualified people. He's looking for called people. See, a lot of people say, well, I, I can't be called until I'm qualified. Paul, 
God says, no, no, I'm going to qualify you when you're called. So you got to respond to the call, first of all. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. It's not what you can do. It's you understanding the resurrection of Jesus Christ, understanding the importance of the proclamation of the, the message of Jesus Christ, understanding that, that you have seen the evidence, the verification that Jesus Christ lives that qualifies you. And God just infuses you with his spirit. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Not my power, his power. Verse 8 in the same book. To me, though, I am, very, I am the very least of all saints. Many of you probably thought, that I'm, I'm not anybody. I'm nothing. I'm not, I, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Paul says, I'm the least. He knew his standard, his position. He knew that they wanted to kill him. And he knew that he was in the wrong and the things that he had done, the guilt, the shame. Then he says, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then the last, the last verse I want to share with you is this. He says to Timothy, you know, Timothy, I want you to know something. Formerly, I was a blasphemer. You know what a blasphemer is, right? I mean, that's probably, that's the worst sin that you can actually do. A blasphemer, God says, they're not going to come into heaven. They're just, you just can't make it. That's, that's an unforgivable sin. To call things that God does that, uh, and, and recognize them and say, well, Satan did that. I, I'm attributing that not to God. God has no control. God can't do anything. And we attribute it by default. Well, if it's not God, it has to be Satan. Only, only the world can save me. Only the government can save me. Only the, the grocery stores can save me. They're, gonna, they're the ones that are going to save my family. Everything that God gives us, he gives us for our good. Whether it's, we think it's bad, or whether it's excellent. I was a blasphemer. I persecuted and an insolent of opponents. But, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. How many of you can say that? Have you acted ignorantly? I have. I know I did. And I know I don't deserve the grace that God has given me. I don't deserve the good things that are going on in my life. I don't deserve that. And then he goes on to say, And the grace of our Lord overflowed with me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Folks, this pandemic that we got going on right now is going to pass. And it might cause a lot of damage. And it might even affect some of you personally, either you or somebody in your family. But God is still in control. Amen? I, I mean, the worst that can happen to me is actually the best thing that can happen, is I end up in heaven. And, you know, it's not because of who I am, it's because of who he is. As you know, we have been given some property, and we have done some amazing things. And even if, the, even if nobody ever shows up again, we are secure for a few years. God has already taken care of our need ahead of time. This happened almost a year and a half ago. Okay? And, and when I share this story with people, people usually tell me something to the effect of, well, you must be doing something good. You know? You must be doing something really good. And of course, me with my big head, oh yeah, of course. You know, I'm God's favorite. You know, she loves me. You know, so that's, you know, yeah, you know, of course I am. Until I read the book of Deuteronomy. And I don't know if you guys are reading along with the, the readings that we have going on throughout the year. 
or going through the book of Deuteronomy, you know, God says, I'm going to give you this land. And I'm not giving it I'm not giving you this land because of your righteousness, not because of what you've done. I'm giving it to them to you because of what they're not doing. I'm wiping them off the, the land. I'm wiping them off the face of the earth. And I'm giving this to you because I love you, not because of your righteousness. I'll tell you something. When I read that portion of scripture, I had to go back and reread it. Okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Things are happening good in your life, not because of your righteousness. And by the same token, things are not happening bad in your life because of your unrighteousness either. Because God cannot forsake himself. There are things that happen in our life to discipline us. And if this pandemic, this virus affects me personally, it's not because I was bad or because I was good. It's just what God wants to do. And if it affects you in some way, adversely, and we're praying that it doesn't, we're praying over your families, we're praying for you because that's what God has asked us to do. If you seek my face, if you humble yourself, seek my face in his place, God says, I will hear your voice. So those of you that are here today and those that aren't able to make it today and are listening on the podcast, I want you to know that you need to seek his face in his place. Wherever it is that you are, wherever it is that you find yourself, you need to seek his face. And the very interesting thing is, is that his place is in your heart because you are the body of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But when we come together, it just makes it much more sweeter. We're going to dismiss in prayer. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you right now not to shake hands. I'm going to ask you not to hug. I mean, some of you guys are brave. You know what? I trust God. Well, very good. But some people aren't there yet, and that's okay. I'm not chastising you. I'm just asking you to be careful. Some of you are going to want to stick around for coffee, and that's great. You can. But please don't feel pressured into doing so. Because this is not everybody's on the same level. That's okay. And, and I didn't, you know, as a matter of fact, I, I, washed, I left here a little while ago and washed my hands because Stephanie handed me the microphone. I said, okay, well, just, just in case. Because <laughs> I don't want to get anybody else sick either. I want you to be wise. Not afraid. Do not fear. Let me ask you to stand. The message is the resurrection. The resurrection is the message. In a few weeks, we'll have an Easter service here. We might have, you know, just as many. When I when I heard that the, in the news that, you know, they wanted to limit the congregations down to a thousand, I said, "Oh, great! You know, we fit." Then they, then they, they went down to 250. Hey, we're still good. Then they went down to 50. Then they hit 19. I go, okay, I think we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> no, did you hear that? 19 was, yeah, that number came out. I don't know where that number came out from. But anyways, I go, we're good. We're good. You know, again, be wise. Amen? Father in heaven, thank you once again for this portion of scripture. The most important thing that we need to get out of this is that the resurrection is the message. And when you showed yourself to these two men on the road to Emmaus, you could have shown yourself. You could have appeared to them right there and then. But you had a central message for them. You had a word for them. And that was your word. And it wasn't until they they grasped that and understood it that you showed up. And it wasn't until they proclaimed it to the others that apparently we're supposed to believe as well. And it wasn't until then that you showed up again. So Lord, help us to understand the importance of your word 
and of our proclamation of what we say. Those two go hand in hand, what we hear from you and what we say to others. So I pray that this, this morning that we leave encouraged, not discouraged, especially if we're already in your words. And I pray and I challenge those that haven't yet taken the time to dive in and to look at and to read that they do so now. Because that's where we'll find our peace, our solace. So Father, we do pray for those that aren't with us today and those that are ill. Lord, there are a few within our congregation that are not feeling well. And we pray your hand upon this, these bodies and these people. We pray, God, that you just remove the sickness, the illness. If it's a cold, just let it be a cold. If it's the flu, just let it be a flu. But God, we, we do not desire for them to go through any of this stuff. But Father, we put it in your hands. We ask you to protect our little ones and those that are uh, less fortunate than us and those that are most vulnerable within our group. We lift up to you Joan and, and Lucy and Manuel, and we lift up to you those that are uh, within our group that uh, so may, something may happen, Father. I pray for Sylvia and her son Ernie. Uh, Lord, I lift him up to you as well, and for Militia, and for, for those that are, Father, could, could just be susceptible to this dangerous disease. I pray, God, your hand upon them, your protection around this church body. And Father, we are just anticipating and waiting and diving into your word more and more even now as we see the day approaching. So, Father, once again, we just thank you. We thank you for watching over us, for taking care of us this far, keeping us safe. Father, we love you, we trust you, and we know that you got this. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen and amen. Thank you. May the Lord be with you. Amen. We'll be here for a moment.